we see a lot of people in the sport doing a lot of long races back to back. And sometimes I think I get caught up in that and thinking that, okay, that that's normal. That's okay. But in reality, when you look at it, it's, it's insane, like these long distances and, and how badly they deplete your body. And I, I think it's always for me reminding myself, okay, I want to be doing this for many years to come, even if I'm not doing it competitively, I want to be able to run. And I think in college, I got to that point where I really hated running and I really don't want to get there again. So I think it's about having a really sustainable approach to how you train and race, essentially. Welcome or welcome back to the Virturn Podcast, Running Long. I'm your host, Francesco Puppi. I'm a pro athlete for Nike and also a Virturn coach. You might already know it that this year, Vert is the official online coaching for the UTMB Mont Blanc event and the Skyrunner World Series. This means that we have designed specific training plans for the 14 different races by UTMB, including the UTMB World Series finals in Chamonix, plus all the Skyrunner World Series races. So, what a better chance to listen to our interview with Ruth Croft, the Kiwi trail runner who has won CCC and OCC multiple times during the course of her career. Ruth is a pro trail runner for Adidas Terex, and she's coming from a great 2022 where she won Western States and she placed second at Festival de Templier. This was a very fun conversation and Ruth always have a lot of interesting things to share. Personally, I really like her approach to running on any surface and any distance, which has made the world-class athlete that she is. Finally, we're very happy to announce our official partnership with Ruth, who has designed a specific training program for OCC. You can sign up today on our website or in the app. For those of you who want to train with Ruth's plan or any of the many other Vertron training plans, you can take 30% off your first month of training with the code RUNNINGLONG30 as a podcast listener. So here we go. Without further ado, Ruth Croft, 2015 CCC champion and 2018 and 2019 OCC champion. Please welcome Ruth Croft. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on here. Ciao Ruth, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. We like stuck in a small hotel room for a week. Um, we're allowed outside for a 30 minute run. You can choose or you can do a 45 minute walk or if you smoke, you're allowed out for <laughs> 60 minutes. So we were thinking of taking up smoking for yeah. <laughs> just to get, <laughs> get a bit extra time. But no, um, we get out up here on Saturday. And so then some home isolation and then we'll be able to go back to normal life pretty much. Cool. So what are your next plans to visit your family for, for Christmas in the wintertime or just sort of live an endless summer season going back and forth from the north and southern hemisphere? Um, yeah, I pretty much prefer summer, to be <laughs> honest. It was getting cold in Europe, so I normally know it's time, time to head home. But um, I'll be based on the west coast of the South Island, which is kind of where I grew up um, for most of the summer. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And uh, what, what are the temperatures uh, in New Zealand right now? Um, I wouldn't say it's super hot, um, probably around 20, 20 degrees, maybe a bit more. Um, it's just starting to get into summer. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
Um, today's podcast is to introduce you, and of course, many of our listeners already know you, but maybe to get you know to get to know you a little bit better and uh, just share some insight about your training, your racing, and how you started running and what type of person you are. So first, um, I would like to ask you how you started running and uh, how you moved the first step into the sport. Um, probably maybe you started. Uh, running on the roads and on the track before moving to the trails. Um, so if you want to describe a little bit your story, I think it would be cool. Yeah, so I grew up um, just north of a pretty small town. And in, pretty much in New Zealand, you at school you do um, cross-country and track uh, once a year. And then uh, when I was 11, I got sent to boarding school and then I was doing a cross country race for my school year. And I bet a girl who had a coach and was taking it really pretty seriously. Um, and so her dad helped me then get in with a training group and it kind of all started from there. So um, yeah, growing up in New Zealand, we did, I, it's through clubs as well. Um, so I ran for a club um, and you would do track in the summer and then uh, it would move to like a bit of mountain running then it would move to cross country and then you do like a road so we kind of had those four seasons within a 12-month period um, and then throughout the year sorry we've just had uh, someone's knocking on the door mine's not here um, anyway so yeah and then after that um, I got a scholarship when I finished high school to the US um, and I went to Portland, Oregon and I ran there for four years and pretty much my running regressed. I got injured, probably had, I think I had four stress fractures over the period um, that I was there and then so I kind of graduated from college and was fed up with running, kind of lost the love for it and so I moved to Taipei, Taiwan, not with the, like it wasn't a, a decision like driven by running or anything like that. Um, and then it was while I was living in Taipei that I kind of came back to the sport of came back to running kind of in my own terms, didn't have a coach or anything and then fountain trail running. But essentially even growing up in New Zealand, like our Sunday long runs would always be on trails. We hardly ever ran on the road and that. So I don't think it was the time in Taiwan that I first found trail running. I'd kind of been doing it a lot growing up. Um, not without even really realizing it um and so then yeah when i was living in taiwan i started doing races around asia um and then eventually found my way to europe to compete so it's a short story that's pretty cool yeah um i think it's cool that um also as a kid like in high school and probably before um you kind of alternate between track uh roads cross country and also mountain running because I, I feel like as a young athlete, it's very useful to try different events and different sports and just to get to know the athletics or just running in all its forms. It's, um, I think it's a very useful way to approach the sport because, for example, um, I feel like for people who just do track, for example, when the condition gets tough, uh, it's it's more difficult for them to train um, compared to people maybe who are used to cross country or mountain running where the condition can get very tough and uh, you learn to face the unpredictable and the 
ever-changing conditions of the trail, for example. So I think that's mm -hmm. a really cool thing. And um, also, I think that like um, in New Zealand, um, the distance running scene, like um, there is a lot of people who take running pretty seriously. Uh, if I think about New Zealand's runners, like, uh, I don't know, Nick Willis or the, the Robertson brothers, you yeah. know, su super strong people. So is like running pretty big, um, like is like a national sport almost? Um, to be honest, not really. It's, it's super small. Um, and I remember like even our national for track, like you would, and I did the steeplechase, you'd be running against maybe like lucky to have 10 women on the start line. And most of mm -hmm. them you would have raced at numerous times over the season. So it is very small compared to, yeah, a lot of other countries. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. It's, it's, I think it's really important to do the the dis different disciplines within running. I think it makes you more of a versatile athlete. And I kind of remember back in college, I hated like running on the flash. Like I just wanted to do hill repeats all the time. And I remember my coach said to me, like, you've got to do what you're not good at, um, yeah. which is true. Like if you keep doing everything that you enjoy and that you're good at, you won't really, um, you won't really develop as a runner. Yeah. 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 That's a, uh, that's a, uh, I completely agree. Um, but, uh, like, uh, New Zealand is, uh, is not a very big country and to see so many great runners is kind of, uh, kind of cool, kind of incredible. So I thought it was, um, running would be more popular for, you know, the density and the level of the athletes over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, it depends. I think, track has probably suffered quite a bit in mm -hmm. the years in New Zealand but then I would say trail running is probably on the rise in New Zealand so yeah it just depends what discipline you kind of look at within running yeah and uh, talking about your experience in Taiwan how many years were you there um I lived in Taipei for five five and a half years okay quite a while yeah and so you started trail running more consistently, consistently while you were while, were there, and uh, you tried some trail races in Asia. So can you describe those experiences and what differences that you found compared to, like more, um, maybe more famous races in Europe or in the U.S. Um, yeah, so I, I was doing predominantly road when I was in Taiwan, and okay. then. Um, there was a North Face race at a 15K and obviously I couldn't speak Chinese or read Chinese at the time. And so I missed the sign up for that. And the only opening they had was in the 50K. So I signed up for the 50K and then that was kind of a, just developed from there. Um, but some of the races I did was the Mount Fuji Ascent, which starts from Fuji Shida. And then you finish on the summit of Mount Fuji. Um, and then I did a race to the Mount um, Kinabalu Climathon, which is to the summit and down of Mount Kinabalu in Borneo, Malaysia. Um, and then I used to go to Hong Kong quite a bit because they have a massive trail running community over there. Um, I think in Asia at the time, tra trail running was just really taking off. Um, so there were a lot of grassroots events. I used to go to China a lot as well. Um, and so I don't think they... Some of the races were really well organized, especially in Japan. 
um, but some of them were very just new to the scene kind of and finding their feet in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, are, like, would you recommend some of the races that you did? Like, uh, I basically, I don't know anything about, like, not much about trail running and mountain running in Asia. And I would like to get to know the, the ambience, the, the races and the people over there more yeah. because I feel like uh, trail running is becoming more international and should develop like at the global level, but we are very centered in Europe and in the US, which is, yeah, where trail running and mountain running was born, but it's not so good for, for the sport at a global level, I think. Uh, yeah, like I definitely recommend um, going to Japan. Their races, like their road races are insanely well organized. Um, at the Mount Fuji Climathon, I would recommend it's 21K. I remember the vert off the top of my head. Um, unfortunately, the Mount Kinabalu Climathon, that was one of my favorite events ever. That's, I've stopped ho uh, hosting that. But as I said, like Hong Kong, you can get some really great trail races over there. So like Lantau 100, um, that's a good one. And then they have some good series as well. And the community there is just really welcoming. Um, as for China, I'm not sure that there, well, you can't even go there at the moment. And then Also, I think they've still got a ban. So I think we would have to wait a while for that. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for taking us through these, uh, like, not so much known um, community of trail running, which I think is, uh, is already pretty big. But, uh, like, in our Western world, we, we don't know much about it. And... Uh, It would be cool to to discover it more. There's there's some great races in China, um, like the one that was on the Skyrunning World Series in Yading. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you go up to over nearly up to 5,000 meters, and then uh, in that same province, Sichuan, they have the Five Sisters, which again you're going up above, um, going up close to 5,000 meters. So yeah, there's definitely. I did a race there. We went up to 6,200 meters. But um, if you're really wanting some extreme events, I think there's a lot in China happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, like uh, the European uh, races are mostly in the Alps on a relatively like not super high, not super wide landscape because like the Alps are already quite crowded there is not very many valleys and uh, places where the the nature the wilderness is uh, like very unspoiled so i think it's uh, it's cool that um, you got to to know these places and you live these uh, experiences yeah um so i think your uh trail running career started like a, in like there was like the Asia chapter but then uh, you started doing trail races in Europe and in the U.S. probably in 2017 is that right? Um, yeah it was pretty much around 2000 okay. I think the first time I, I went to Europe was in 2015 maybe or 2016 mm -hmm. I think it was 
yeah, I went and did CCC. Um, and then, yeah, it was every summer after that. I was lucky with my job. Um, yeah, well, I'd, yeah, I left Taiwan at the end of 2017. Um, and then after that, I was, I kept coming to Europe every summer. Okay. Uh, yeah, because like I see that your first big results uh, are from 2017, where when you took uh, second place at Lavaredo to trail, um, you won the you won Latin player, and you were first at Marathon Ultra Pyrenees with the course record. And then after after that year, uh, in 2018, you kind of moved back into shorter distances, which is kind of unusual for a trail runner. Uh, we, like, I think most athletes usually start from a shorter distances, like uh, the marathon or even shorter trails like mountain running style. And then they move up to the longer distances, which a lot of people see like, a, like the ultimate goal of an athlete. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's good to do both, but it's also good to concentrate on shorter races and for example golden trail series or mountain running style or sky running races um what was the reason for that and um like was it something that you planned or, or that you just decided after uh your experience in 2017 um i even though i got second at Labrador, i just had a really bad experience um i was like throwing up and i just it was plain and simple i just didn't enjoy it Um, I felt I'd gotten caught up in the hype of wanting to run longer without really asking myself if that's what I want to do and that's what I enjoy. Um, so it was a good wake up call after Labrador and I decided to step back down in distance. And I think I was like, yeah, young at the time. And so you still have the speed. And so it makes sense to use it while you have it and then move up to the longer distances when I was ready. I also just didn't think I was ready to do such long distances either. And I think doing a few more years in the shorter stuff would help prep me for when I was ready to step into ultras. Mm. Um, and like, then why is it that you didn't decide to go straight to the marathon style Golden Turtle Series races um, before? Um, why hadn't I originally? Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was new to the whole trail running scene and a lot of emphasis is put on running 100 miles um, and doing Western States and doing UTMB. So to be honest, I think I was just caught up in that and was like, okay, that's what I want to do um, without really questioning it all or asking myself, as I said, like, is, is, is this something I'm enjoying? So I was just getting, getting caught up in hype at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's really cool that, uh, like after your first experience you question the the goodness of your choice and you actually realized um that you weren't enjoying it and you went back to something that you were enjoying more and i think that brought uh very good results because in 2018 you won the one block marathon uh you won the occ you were third at the gamma and fourth at Sierra Dinal, so i think those results speak by themselves And um, you continued with 2019, uh, pretty much a similar type of season. You, you were racing in the Golden Trail Series circuit. Uh, you won again OCC 
Um, you won Giro de Mont, you won Marathon de Mont Blanc, so three big races. Then, of course, things kind of stopped in, the, in 2020 due to the pandemic. And then you came back in 2021 and you decided to go back to the ultras. So like kind of back to where you started. Um, I would like to ask you more about this, uh, this choice. Like um, why did you decide to step up with the distance? And if you actually enjoyed it this year? Uh, maybe with a different mindset, different approach from what you used in 2017? And like, what was your experience this year? Yeah, so I decided to step up to um, 100 miles this year, pretty much because, yeah, like you said, since I'd maybe in yeah 2018, I'd been doing a lot of shorter around marathon 50K distance and also a lot of the same races. And I just personally don't get super motivated when I keep doing the same things every year. Um, and so, yeah, I remember being out for a run and thinking about doing Western States and just getting really motivated and feeling really excited about it, which I hadn't, hadn't kind of had that feeling towards um, a race for a really long time. And so I decided on Western States essentially because like time-wise for a hundred miles it's relatively short it was like 17 and a half hours but compared to like a UTMB which would be over like 24 hours or whatever and so it makes sense for your first 100 mile I believe to go for a shorter kind of time of running um, as the first step up to the distance and so yeah I, I was lucky to get a spot for a UTWT um, so I didn't have to go do a golden ticket race, which helped out a lot, especially over the uncertainty during COVID because I was a bit hesitant to leave New Zealand. Um, and then, yeah, I pretty much with Western States, my buildup was mainly road through until April. Um, okay. I was wanting to try and do the Olympic qualifying for the road. Um, and so there was a race in uh, Sydney, Australia that I went over to do. Um, and it didn't go to plan. I ended up pulling out at 32K. Um, it was just one of those days where it just wasn't clicking from the beginning. And then um, I got to the point where all my time goals had slipped and um, even, I just wasn't going to achieve anything by jogging it in. And so I was like, okay, it's better to call it quits now um, mm -hmm. and then take less time to recover um, and then switch over to trail. And so, yeah, and then I flew over to the States and had about six weeks uh, prep over there, training on the course, getting heat adapted and um, climatizing. And yeah, I was lucky everything kind of fell into place um, for Western States. And I definitely think doing the road training helped mm -hmm. um, on the day because it is such a runnable course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of things here. Um... I want to ask you a little bit in more detail. Um, first of all, uh, did you have fun at Western States? Like, did you feel like your type of thing when you were there? Yeah, I did. Like, I had a really good crew. So I had Martin and then Alex Varner and then a, an old friend from college. And we just had a really good day, good day like plain and simple. And it's like they'd given up their day to help me. And so... I think I just wanted them to have fun as well. And we did. Um, I was expecting it going into it to just have like a lot of kind of dark patches, but it was a really positive experience. I think I was just like 
really struggling was probably like the last 15 miles. But apart from that, um, yeah, I, I had fun and, and, and enjoyed it. But I think what I struggled with was like afterwards, just, yeah, I just never felt so destroyed after an event ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like wasn't a functional human being for a few days and <laughs> just it's just so different compared to the shorter races where you can kind of get back into things in a couple of weeks but but for me like the fatigue um, it probably I didn't I didn't start feeling like really normal again probably until it was like October end of October wow. so yeah and that speaks about the importance of recovery and uh, like even for an experienced athlete like you um, to take so, so much time after such a big race uh, is quite impressive. And still, uh, I think it highlights the importance to just allow your body all the time, all the necessary time to, to recover and feel good again until it's time to start a new preparation. And then you went on and won less with employee. So it was definitely <laughs> a strategy that paid off well, I, I don't know, to be honest, it was a big learning experience. Like I originally was lined up to do CCC. So okay. yeah, it was for me, it was just like a whole new ball game navigating post 100 miles. Um, but I think the first thing for me was I physically kind of felt okay. Um, after I had three weeks completely of no running and then started getting back into training physically felt okay not great obviously but I think it was more the mental aspect of it like I had a real resistance to wanting to kind of go to the well to really have to push myself again but um I'd been a typical typical runner in a sense and I was like oh it'll be fine like I'll be okay by the start line of CCC and kind of convinced myself of it when in reality like I should have never even really considered CCC it shouldn't have been in the picture um but then I got sick the week I got a stomach bug the week of the race and so that kind of made the decision for me that I wouldn't start CCC but it was kind of disappointing that I'd let it even get to that point like I should have pulled the plug a lot earlier so I think this year I definitely learned um learned a lot of lessons about recovery post 100 miles cool yeah it's super important um and it's it's kind of cool how an athlete like you learns to like something about recovery and also to restructure your plans and uh, like even if like even if not everything goes according to your design your your expectations you're still able to to restructure uh your training and your goals to i think have a like a super super good super super strong season like like you did yeah I think it's important I think it's it's tricky I think in in a lot of people we see a lot of people in the sport doing a lot of long races back to back and sometimes I think I get caught up in that and thinking that okay that that's normal that's okay but real in reality when you look at it it's it's insane like these long distances and, and how badly they deplete your body and I, I think it's always for me reminding myself okay I want to be doing this for many years to come even if I'm not doing it competitively I want to be able to run and I think in college I got to that point where I really hated running and I really don't want to get there again so I think it's about having a really sustainable approach to how you train and race essentially yes 
just to put it into perspective, how many races did you do this year? Um, so I did, how many did I did Tarawera 100 in Feb, and then I did a couple of shorter road races, and then the, the road marathon, the 32K um, mm-hmm. in April, and then I did a 50K mid-May, and then I did um, Western States and Les Templier. And then I did, okay, I did Infinite Trails, but it was not like an all-out effort or anything like that. Okay. in Austria yeah and uh, so it was like uh, probably less than 10 races in total oh definitely uh, yeah, yeah yeah and out of those races how many would you consider your like main goals for the season obviously uh, West States I think and then... yeah and then the road marathon was my main goal but even even Tarawera like I hadn't I hadn't trained specifically for it it was just yeah I wouldn't say it was a main goal yeah okay uh yeah and I think Tarawera is um it's in early February I I think yeah so it's a time of the year that is usually not too busy in terms of calendar so it kind of fits uh pretty well with the other big races big goals in the summer yeah and Um, you definitely don't I want to be peaking around February either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, so that's, thank you for, for taking us through that. And then I would like to ask you a little bit more in detail. How did you structure your Western States preparation? You also said you, you were training on the course for during the six weeks before the race. Um, yeah which obviously helps a lot. Um, but how did you structure your preparation? Um, so essentially I, I got to the States and I had six weeks, but I'd just done a 50K the weekend before and with the travel and everything. Um, so I took the first, I think it was week and a half, two weeks easy. Um, and then obviously it was a two week taper. No, I, I think I only had three weeks of actual like training um in the states once i you took into account the travel and then the the taper but it was just getting long long runs in in the weekends really um and just getting my mileage up because i think that's the one thing coming from the road prep that i was really missing um for western states so it would be doing like saturday sunday like doing a six hour run on the saturday and then maybe a four hour run on the sunday and then maybe one one session probably and one bigger session during the week and then a, a, a shorter session um, as well. So the main focus was just getting time on my feet in the weekends. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's worth for, for an ultra runner to, to do the doubles, like to run in the morning and in the afternoon, or is it like, is it better? And it, is it like, does it pay off more to do just one big session every day? It depends on the runner, what level they are and what they're wanting, like what's the, what's the purpose of that extra run? Like, is it just to get mileage up? Or, um, yeah, I had to talk with someone the other day about it because sometimes I think you're better to do one run and then recover for the rest of the day than to do two runs. Um, and obviously if the second run is, sometimes it converges onto junk mileage and that, and then that's not, it's not serving a purpose either. 
Um, so I'm more towards doing the one run a day, but it, again, it depends on the individual and what they're trying to get out of that second run. Very good answer. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, to ask you to put it uh, into uh, an ultra perspective, which I'm still not really into. So it's interesting for me to learn as well. <laughs> I like my mileage didn't change really like the volume of my mileage didn't change drastically like I was I think my biggest volume week was 100 and 160k I did one week at 160k um, then one week at 150 and then that third week when I was in the states it was like 140 Um, yeah and like even when I was doing the marathon races like I'd have weeks like that as well Um, so I don't think just because you switch up you switch into ultras in 100 miles that your volume needs to drastically go up at all it's a very fine line because then you're just dealing with a lot more fatigue as well and then you you lose quality in in your sessions too so yes yeah very interesting and um did you did you also do any cross training while you were training for western states um no so normally in the off season like when i'm in new zealand like base building in there i do a lot of mountain biking and road biking but when i start doing road i i stop the the biking pretty much maybe one or two easy rides a week but i just feel like yeah the intensity with the road work is quite high that i don't need to just add on top of that a lot of cross training um but the thing that i do do is I go to the gym it's normally three times a week for an hour and that's something I'm pretty religious about Um, and then during the season that will kind of shift down to normally twice a week as well yeah that's uh that's very helpful and interesting to know as well Mm. um so you have a coach who is uh Jonathan Wyatt and of course it comes from a great mountain running career he was also twice an olympian um maybe i think he still has a few new zealand records if i'm not wrong um how is your relationship with jonathan and uh, like obviously he was able to train you really well from western states even if it's something that he didn't get to experience in first hand as an athlete so um like how did you get along with uh with this preparation and uh, yeah just what like what do you think about jana and uh you know i think it's it's really cool to collaborate with such a great athlete who then decided to to coach you um yeah john is great he's uh yeah as you know he's a fellow kiwi and i think um yeah he just he just gets it and um, I think our coaching relationship when it began it was very like transactional and that he would just give me a training program and I would stick to it but I think over the years it's like he has a better understanding of what works for me and I also have feel like as a runner I'm a bit have a better understanding as well of what works for me and so within the program it's a bit more um, back and forth it's not so much transactional anymore and yeah, as he says, it's like, it's not rocket science, really, especially training for an ultra, um, even though, yeah, he, he hasn't done, I don't think, yeah, he hasn't done an ultra, um, but 
yeah, I don't know. We just discussed it before the season started and knew that the road, like you could, it would transfer over to a course like Western States. It definitely wouldn't work for something like UTMB, but we thought, oh, you could get, we could get away with it. And then, as I said, it was after that, it was just getting long runs in, in the legs and getting acclimated and heat adapted. And that was it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think in the end, this really shows that it's very important to find what works for you and like to share feedback with your coach to actually make the best out of the condition that you have available and what you can really do. Like uh, not just stick to a training plan with, because your coach wrote it, but exactly, because yes. you believe in it and it's the right thing to do for you. Yeah, I think I totally agree. And I think it's about as, as a runner taking responsibility for yourself as well. And then also getting good at, better at understanding like the cues of, are you tired? I like, how are you feeling? Um, not just going off what your, what your watch is telling you as well. And like an example, yeah, John had put uh, another one more four or five hour run. I think it was three weeks no two and a half weeks out and I just said to him I was like okay I'm I'm done like (laughs) I think I'm done with the long runs but I think I just had confidence knowing that we'd done the training in that and so I think with a lot of runners that will come with time once you get a once you get a good relationship with your coach and then also good understanding of your of your body as well yeah cool how often do you you talk to him and do you share feedback with him um so probably we do a lot through whatsapp um so just whatsapp messages and that um but he will check in on the program like once a week he'll put comments in yeah yep and then if anything comes up or that i'll just send him a text yeah yeah cool and uh also uh it's Again, it's related to the collaboration that you have with Jono because uh, he was also a great road runner and a great track runner. Um, and it's something that I really value because uh, also in my career uh, as an athlete, I like a lot to put myself into context on the roads and also on the track. So how do you balance road running and trail running? And do you have any advice for, for our listeners to like uh, use the roads to become a better trail runner and also the opposite, use the trails to become a better road runner. Yeah, I think in your off season or um, I think it's a good time for a lot of runners to focus on, um, if, even if it's not or doing specific road work, just getting doing some flatter running and getting your legs turning over. Um, for me, I've always found after the road, that I've had a better trail season. Um, I think you just become a more efficient runner and then also more efficient at climbing and stronger at climbing. Um, so yeah, if you can find a, a coach who can do some some good sessions for your off season, um, that's always beneficial. Yeah, and that's something I, I encourage people to do also at Berg. And uh, I think that is also an idea that... Um, is behind your training plans that you've worked for for birds. For example, um, your break your 50k PR, which is very popular among our athletes. Um, so, can you do you want to talk a little bit about this training plan and the idea 
that is behind it? Yeah, so it was kind of similar to the way that I train in that and I feel it was a bit of a base building. It's been, it was a while ago that I wrote it, <laughs> sorry. Um, a bit of a base building section and then moving into more steady state kind of work and then into more tempo sessions in the final periods, but also throughout it all, keeping um, just like lo a lot of uh, strides and leg ten turnover, kind of shorter sessions that don't necessarily take a long time to recover, but can work on your efficiency as a runner. Yeah, there is a there is a lot of quality in there, and it shows like uh, to people maybe who are used to just running that is is very important to maintain the quality in your training because uh, that's what allows to produce a good performance and not just uh, go out there and run without a purpose. I think, <laughs> which is yeah, um, yeah. like if you wanted to take training seriously and you you like you want to progress as an athlete it's something that is is definitely worth doing yeah and it keeps it interesting as well i think yeah yeah it keeps it keeps the fun <laughs> yeah um how did you get in how did you get in touch with moy and uh, like uh when did you start this collaboration with her um so i think the first one i did was for people i did a i think it was for 50k for if you're living in a city Yeah. Um, it would have been quite, or maybe in 20, um, it would have been, maybe it was over lockdown, maybe in March in 2020, I can't remember, to be honest, I think it was around then, but um, yeah, I did that program, because I lived, when I lived in Taipei, Taiwan, I didn't have, Monday to Friday, I ran on a flat river path, um, so I didn't have access to trails or to, yeah, to hills, really. Um, and so it was trying to take what I'd learned from living in a city and applying it to other people who could be in a sim similar situation. Um, and I strongly believe that you don't need to live in the mountains or have trails at your back door to, to become a good trail runner. Yeah, that's something very cool and that I also tell people. Um, for example, myself, I don't live close to very big mountains. Like if I get out of the door, I cannot do for example, 1,000 meters of elevation, but still, I think I can yeah. do some useful work for, for the trails and yeah. also for the roads. And this shows that I don't need to train every day in big mountains, but I can use hills, I can use stairs, I can use the track, I can use uh, the flat to, mm. to be a good trail runner. And I think uh, it's part of your philosophy and your training. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And treadmills always come in handy as well. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> to, um, to move a little bit um, ahead, um, what is next for you? Um, so you're in New Zealand right now. How long do you stay there and how do you plan to develop the next season? Yeah. So I'll probably be in New Zealand through till the same as uh, the year April and May um, I haven't decided too much on the plan but there's a race called Kepler in New Zealand which is 60k um, it's on a great walk and it's normally held in December and so I've never really been able to do it because it's I come off the end of the European season and I'm ready for a break um, but because of COVID they've moved it to the middle of January um, so that 60k will be my first kind of race 
And then I think the plans to do some more road again, even if I don't do a marathon as such, but still go through and do all the training for it. Um, and then the plan I've signed up for Western States again. So that will be the main focus of the year and learning off this year. I haven't planned anything for after that. Yeah. So I've just left mm -hmm. it pretty much wide open. So that's how 2022 is looking at the moment. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it will be kind of similar to, to your 2021 and maybe hoping to improve your already great result in Western States. Yeah, I think you always learn a lot and I, I still learned a lot, I think, on ways that I could do it better um, if, next year. Yeah. So to um, just uh, go towards the end of our conversation, another question that I wanted to ask you, um, you kind of, uh, you were like in the short trail mountain running scene for a while and then you moved up to the ultras. So what do you think about trail running in general, um, where it's headed and what do, you, what do you think about the international trail running scene? Um, yeah, it's a pretty loaded question. There's just so many different yeah, disciplines with under, under tra trail running it itself. Um, I think it's changed a lot, even in the last five years. It's been with Golden Trail and what they're doing. Um, I think there's like a lot of yeah, new faces showing up in the sport and like really strong runners coming in, which is great um and then i think it's heading in the right direction there is some i suppose for me the issue i think not so positive is probably the courts program that has come up oh it's been around for a while um so yeah i think it's some of the health issues that well what they're saying that they're covering covering in that in courts and then just that we don't have any um, actual doping testing really so it's a health passport it's not really doping control and so I think that is kind of a bit scary um, and especially yeah they're banning um, NSAIDs and, and then like iron infusions and all that um, but then and not allowing TUEs but some people actually need them for their health as well. So I think, yeah. And as you might have read, there were the banning NSAIDs, um, but there were two, two people um, in, at UTMB who tested positive for that. And then they just got, they didn't get banned. They didn't get a warning or anything like that. There was no repercussion. Um, and so they were told that, yeah. So if you're going to set these rules, then I think you have to implement them, not say, oh, okay, you can, you get a warning. And then next year, um, if someone tests positive again, then what's going to happen? Are they going to get a warning again? So I think it's just a bit, a bit worrying the direction that that's going down. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a bit worrying. Um, I think one of the problems is that um, federation and institution don't have the full control on the sport because it's developed very differently from road running and track, for example, where like the world championship and uh, also, of course, the Olympics are the reference. And there is just like 
one, recognize the international circuit where there is anti-doping, there is rules and everything. Mm-hmm. Trail running is a more, much more complex word um, where like the control of federations and uh, the governing bodies and the anti-doping is still not very advanced and developed. So I think that is one big problem, which in some way uh, it kind of keeps the sport as it is. Like there is a, a lot of just wild races and uh, also crazy experiences if you think about everything that there is in trail running. But at the same time, I think like if we want to develop it in a professional way, uh, there there's needs to be more of this and uh, more anti-doping, more, uh, more rules also and more controls. Yeah, and I think WADA has the... I don't know, they have their rules set up for a reason. And then I feel that courts is going above and beyond that. And I don't think it's necessarily in a good way. Um, and yeah, as the sport is growing, there's more sponsorship coming into to play. There's more money coming in. And I feel that's an area of trail running that's really lacking at the moment. Um, yeah. Yes. Cool. Thank you for sharing this. Um, my final question, probably, what do you think about the possibility for trail running to become an Olympic sport? Um, I think as long as it doesn't change the essence of the sport, um, it'd be a positive thing. But I, I don't know, I sound like a bit of a pessimist, but I don't, I don't see it ever really happening, to be honest. Okay. But yeah, it'd be great if it was. Um, but yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I don't know. Like, I think I've, I've changed my opinion over the years. Uh, when I first started running in the mountains and doing trail running, I thought that the Olympics would be the natural and most logical um, goal for the, the sport as a whole. But now, as you said, like, uh, Trail running is so complex and there is so many diverse um, and different races and distances and the terrains that to just bring maybe one event at the Olympics, it just doesn't really show what trail running is about. Like maybe you can bring mountain running, which is a more um, like a it has some some set characteristics and the course has to match certain um, um, features, for example. So that yeah. might be a sport that uh, could become an Olympic sport. But for example, you cannot move the Western States and just bring it to the Olympics. The Western States should be on the actual Western States course and it's only that race, for example. So I don't know. Um, it's complex. Um, I think there should be more influence from federation to rule the sports. But at the same time, um, a lot of people, including me, uh, fear that the influence of institutions and federation could ruin the spirit of the sport. But I don't know. Um, it's complex. And I think we'll just have to, to see how things develop. 
and in the meanwhile, it's it's good to to be a part of the growth of trail running and um, just to kind of be aware of some developments and directions that it's taking. Because we are athletes, we're we are the ones who, you know, in some ways, um, can decide where it's headed. So I think it's important to realize that and to also to speak up about the things that are happening in the, in the sport. Yeah, for sure. I think as athletes, we all just want like a pinnacle event that we all can attend and compete against some of the best and. Yeah, it is. As you said, it's super tricky when you've got 100 miles through to like the VK that you need to cover. Um, I think there's always going to be some athletes probably missing out in, at some point. But um, yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting to see how world champs go next year um, with that format. Uh, but yeah. then again, it's, it's even tricky with world champs because like I know New Zealand, like we weren't, weren't even going to send a team this year and it's not even sure about next year. So it's just like, yeah, I think it's, you, as I said, you just want a like a pinnacle event where we can all come together and, and compete against each other. Yeah, because I feel like uh, this is the main thing uh, that almost all the professional elite athletes want, like to have one event or one series that is that represents the reference and everyone is there and the competition is great. And there is mm -hmm. good coverage, good, um, good communication, good sponsors, good yeah. prize money, and that's what brings brings the excitement to the sport, and what's what uh, like grows the sport and grows the level. And I think we we will all want to that to happen, but things are developing probably not as fast as we would like. There is some, of course, interesting projects. For example, I think about the Golden Chair series, which I think has been a, a very nice uh, addition in the, in the recent years. There is, of course, UTMB, which is a, a huge event and represents a sort of reference for, for the ultra trail world. And then there is a lot of, uh, big races like uh, like western states like hard rock uh like other maybe shorter races they're sort of uh, independent and uh, not under like an international circuit or a, a federation and one one other thing that would have been interesting it was would, would have been to like to kind of to take part and see how the the world championship of mountain and trail running where for the first time uh, there is um, the mountain running competition and short trail and uh, long trail which would be like 40k and 80k all in one event i think it would have been really cool to see it uh, yeah we will probably have to wait until november next year and from my point of view it was very disappointing to see this event postponed once again, but uh, I guess there is not much we can do about it. No, I don't think there was at the end of the day, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe good things. for you though as well, because you, you would have been injured anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a blessing <laughs> you can do it next year. <laughs> yeah, well, if it's in November, uh, 
that's definitely something that uh, I want to to try to do. Yeah. Uh, even if I kind of lost hope this year after the, I think the second or third postponement of the uh, World Championship. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds like uh, the institutions are not taking trail running and mountain running seriously enough, which is not good for, for the sport, I think. Yeah. All right. Thank you for, uh, for this conversation. Thanks for, for taking the time to, to sit down and chat with us. And uh, we all wish a very successful season and uh, a good summer in New Zealand. Thanks, and I hope you have a speedy recover, recovery as well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks for thanks to all our listeners. Um, I also wanted to mention that we are working on bringing to the app, to our Verge app, uh, some great resources. You've seen the launch of the new training plan by Tom Evans this week. We're working on a new export tab to bring content, resources, articles, videos, and podcasts all in the app. There are new training plans coming up soon, so lots of exciting things happening, and uh, I'm really glad uh, and super cool to be a part of this, uh, this project and this growth. Thanks, Ruth, for taking your time, and all the best to everyone. Ciao. Thank you so much for listening to our great interview today. I really hope you enjoyed it, and I thank you for being a regular listener of this podcast. If you haven't already downloaded the Bertrand app, I encourage you to do so. There, you can connect for free with other trail runners of all levels in the Bertrand community in our in-app groups. You can stay in trail shape with our free workout videos and get affordable coaching for your next trail running goal, all for $25 per month. Thanks again for being here today. Until next time, I'm Francesco Pupi. Thank you for listening to Running Long.